This is Montel Jordan, and right now you're listening to I Don't Get It with my girl, Maria Manero. This is how we do it. Hey, Maria, take it away, girl. Thanks, Montel. Today, we take a journey through love. It's chapter one in the entire history of you here on I Don't Get It with your host, Maria Manero. One hell of a trash fire Well look at that It's me What a surprise I'm just here to say If you're gonna listen to the show Why not follow the show on social media The hot spot Where everybody's Where everybody's at where the party's at, hmm? Jagged Edge, how can you resist? Hit us up on Instagram, Facebook at Maria Doesn't Get It, or on Twitter at MM Doesn't Get It, and get with it, you know what I'm saying? All right, back to the show. Hey, everybody, welcome back to I Don't Get It with Maria Monero, which is everything. In today's episode, we will journey through the lifespan of a relationship from the moment we fall in love to the moment we fall out of love and everything in between. Joining us to do that as we endeavor to understand the whys and hows of love is Yasmin Rafiq, owner of Meaningful Connections, which is a therapy center in Toronto that specializes in emotional Focused therapy for both individuals and couples alike. Welcome to the show, Yasmin. Thank you so much, Marie. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for um, agreeing to undertake this monumental uh, <laughs> task, this kind of like very high concept, crazy idea that I had. Thank you for <laughs> agreeing, first of all, to go on this journey with me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see what uh, we come up with. It'll be really fun. Yeah, I think it'll be all the things, you know? Agreed. Okay, so should we start? Let's dive into it. Let's, let's it. fall in love, Yasmin. Okay. Let's fall in love. Okay, so let's start the meet cute, right? Um, let's start. Actually, at the beginning, what happens is we meet somebody psychologically what is happening to us when we meet somebody like does love at first sight really occur is that really a thing is that really a thing that's a really good question and i can't say for sure what the answer is but my understanding of it is is that it it has a lot to do with infatuation at that point there's a lot of initial initial attraction that's going on in the beginning and there's also a lot of unknowns in the beginning because we're just we're just meeting this individual and just starting to get to know them. So we have possibly um, an image or a perception of them that we've made. That, like we've filled out holes. Yeah. yeah we've. But at the same time, you know, how can we really quantify 
one type of love, like, oh, that's only lust or infatuation versus someone who's been married for 20 years. Like, to me, that seems like somewhat unfair because it's just, it's like, for example, um, my husband's Irish, mm-hmm. so I started following football mm-hmm. with, with soccer, in other words. Um, I picked my own team, not his team, my own team. But my own team used to be, which was Man City, used to be a terrible team with no money. This, so Sheikh Mansur bought this, acquired the team, and we've been one of the most dominant teams for the last 10 years. Now, I did not know that when I chose them. Mm-hmm. I chose them to antagonize one of our friends who was a rival of that team. But what I mean to say is, I'm not taken seriously as a fan, number one, because I have this accent which disqualifies me immediately, <laughs> uh, right? Second of all, woman. Third of all, I've only been a fan for 10 years, so I'm not a real... You know, there's all these qualifiers of like, I'm not a real fan, but I love this team. So what quantifies, how can you quantify my love for that team as opposed to someone who's been a fan for 40 years, you know, I feel like it's kind of unfair. So when we say, oh, you've just met for three weeks, how can you possibly be in love? We've been married for 30 years. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Is that unfair? Or is it unfair. Yeah. I, I I understand what you're saying and I can and, and it's a tough one. It's a it it's a tough one to answer. So like with your with your analogy, I mean with your example of the sport and the game. And I think of with relationships, I think there's there's so many different life stages or things a relationship can go through. Um and lots have been through. So for somebody who's been married for 30 years, they've might've been through, um, deaths, births, um, maybe separation, maybe buying houses. They've gone through a lot of big life events and maybe that's made their, their love gotten, has gotten stretched and stretched out and then come back. And they've gone through like all these different stages of love within that. So I'm wondering it's, and then, and then for a three week relationship, it is hard to quantify, Maria. At the end of the day, like I'm trying yeah. to figure it out. Like, yeah, it because is. you can also go through stuff yep. within three, and at the same time, you know, it's just not fair to label. Like, just because you go through those things, it doesn't. How how could we possibly measure? Yeah, one yeah. against the other. It's yeah. feelings. It's innate feeling, you know. But what? Okay, yeah. so what is it that attracts us to other people? Well, like, I, what is love at first sight? Like, what yeah. is it? And like, what is it that makes me like this guy and not that guy? Right. Um, I think there's a lot of physical attraction at first. I do believe mm-hmm. that there is quite a lot of physical attraction. That's something that you want to be you you want to approach it because you like what you see. And then right. what keeps you? I'm a looking and I'm a liking. Yeah. I, I don't, I think that that's evident. That has to be there. Right. And right. then I think the the next thing is, is like, is like how safe do I feel with this person as we're having this conversation? When I say safe, I mean Really? Okay. Safe. Yeah. You start to feel this <clears throat> emotional safety around them and acceptance and uh, belonging with them. Like, so if this person is, 
you're attracted to them. They're giving you these vibes or this kind of message that they really like you back. They want to, they, they're, they're, they have like an invested interest in what you're saying that has some sort of an impact on you that makes you feel wanted and makes you feel like, okay, I like, I like being here. So what's, uh, that's interesting. What's that feeling of safety? Like how does that um, manifest itself in, I guess, an interaction? Mm -hmm. So that's like, mm -hmm. how would it manifest? Like how would it look in a, a so I meet a guy at a bar when we start talking. Yeah. Like, how is it because he's not creeping me out or he's not? <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's part of it. If you feel like the so if you're meeting someone at a bar and it's not to hook up with them and you're wanting to have like an actual conversation and get to know someone and he's giving you the vibe that he's not he's actually interested in what you have to say. Um, not just you're not getting that what you said like the creepy vibes of him just trying to get with you for that night then immediately I think there's some sort of if that's what you want though like I gotta say like if that's what you're looking for then immediately there's some sort of a connection there okay um so what is the probability rate hmm. for that initial attraction to be reciprocated, right? Because oh, given the one. particular variables necessary yeah. for two people to be mutually attracted to each other, isn't it almost an impossibility? Like, oh. we treat it so callously, but, like, come on. Mm -hmm. That seems yeah. almost impossible. I mean... Yeah. No, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah. Because what is the blueprint, right? It's, like, the neurological pathways that light up. Okay, I'm attracted to this person. There's something that attracts me because they're familiar, or something strikes yep. me that it translates to as love or adoration to me. Yeah. But for that to also then be triggered in their neurological pathways by yeah. by me, yeah. How does it even happen at all? No, I hear what you're saying. So this is where I'm not. Unfortunately, I don't have that neuroscience background, but I do understand what you mean when you say like, how, what's like, what's the possibility of it? Like, how, how can it even happen? And it must be like such a, like such a low percentage, right? Okay, so not necessarily neurologically speaking, but just internally, mentally, psychologically, what is happening to us? when we are attracted to someone like how is that ever reciprocated like it, to me it's befuddling it's like how is it ever possible that like with two people that that it's congruent that our attraction is congruent to one another's because it seems so highly unlikely yeah i hear what you're saying but um i i feel like we like i'm just thinking about like if you're walking downtown wherever you're from wherever it's busy i'm gonna say and like you you're looking around you probably see people that you think are attractive or or like, yeah like are they appeasing to your eyes or whatever right like right. i feel like i feel like there are there's like there are a lot of options and i think the part that's um what are the chances is like the communication bit like how do you get connected? the connection yeah i feel like that is where 
it's like, that's, that's not always easy. Like, I think it is easy to look at someone and decide if you're attracted to them or not. And, and beauty is like, you know, that phrase, I don't want to yes. coin it wrong. Yeah. Beholder. Yeah, yeah, it's the eye of the, like the beholder. So it's like, so you know, you might you might be attracted to somebody more from that has like an Italian who, look who, to them. Who looks like Quasimodo, yeah. and I could be like, I don't know, that could be you. Yeah. I could be like, guys, seriously yeah. though, it's like the other day when I was um, we were recording an episode of Get It, the this is the other show, mm-hmm. and I was trying to convince them that Justin Bieber is now hot. So yeah. what makes me <laughs> attracted to Dirty Bieber? Um, I wonder. What, <laughs> I mean, this might take a whole hour, Maria. Uh, yeah, or this more. is it. This is the yeah. entire episode. Yeah, well, it what? could go go back into your attachment history. There, I think it might be his voice because I dated a singer for okay. three years who yeah. who is now very successful and wrote a song for Justin Bieber. Oh. Maybe, so, maybe it could be that a connection to him. But the, you know, the the voice, right? The singing <clears throat> might be something that is familiar to me, right? Because I dated a, you know, an R&B singer who had a yeah. beautiful voice and who was a, a talented musician. Yeah. And who I have an amicable relationship with. So, I mean, he looks nothing like Justin Bieber. Yeah, but it could be the voice you think that you're attracted yeah, to. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think it may be that. Is that something that happens? That if you, yeah, so if you have like a, I think what I'm understanding, I just want to kind of reflect it back, is that our attachment history impacts who we um, may be attracted to in our future. Absolutely. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. 100% sense to me. Yeah, And it doesn't necessarily mean aesthetically either. It um, could be it, personality, it, or yeah, absolutely. It could be personality. It could be the feeling that they evoke when you're around them. It could be like, you know, maybe you grew up with a father that made you feel incredibly safe and confident and praised you and just made you feel like you were like, like a a princess. And then you meet somebody that evokes similar feelings, mm. and it's like, hey, this feels very comfortable, familiar, safe, and good. So yeah. Yeah, I realized pretty recently that I've been dating the same guy for like 30 years. A lot years. of us do that. Yep, a lot of the us do that. The same exact man, like mm-hmm. really the same exact person. But, you know, I got married and, you know, that cycle ended. Um, <laughs> okay, so we met somebody against all odds. Mm-hmm. Now we're at a stage where... We're falling in love, right? Next stop on the journey mm-hmm. is like the going steady, going out, entering gotcha. like a relationship. Right. Right. What makes us choose someone to make a commitment to? Because you know how mostly men, but some women too, mm-hmm. like to put these disclaimers out there. Right. I know, I know, I know a dude who does this. Like, Tells them straight off the bat, I don't want a serious relationship. This is not going to be serious, you know. Like, it's like a disclaimer, right? It's like a waiver. It's like you sign off. Like, you can't get mad about it later because I already told you from the start I didn't want a relationship. Yeah. And then three months later, they meet somebody and they get engaged. Right. So what is that about? What is that about? 
like what's going on in people's. So the, the first thing I think of is what's going on in people's life at that time that could give them maybe the push to want to be attached to someone, or maybe it's like the push not to be attached to someone. Like what I think about what's going on personally in that person's life in that at that time, are they, are they available? Are they emotionally available? Are they able to, to commit? Um, I think of that. And then what happens to that guy who that example you gave was somebody who says, nope, nope, not looking for anything real. I'm wondering if I, I'm, I, I'd get curious. I would want to get really curious. Like what happened in the relationship? Was it something about this, this, this person they attached to? Was it something about how this individual kind of like makes them feel when they're around them? Was it a really safe connection that they felt or was there another was there something else that that's going on that we don't know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it really just timing, or is it the person? Um, th- it's curious to me because it's like, you know, did my husband marry me because it, he was just ready to, or like, like it could have been anyone. It was arbitrary completely, and it could have been it. anybody at that time because he was ready at that time to settle down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if I had met him beforehand or at a time when he wasn't ready and yeah. there were, you know, I have ex-boyfriends who were not ready yeah, at various points and then came back when they were ready and I was not ready or I did mm-hmm. not want it anymore. So right. <clears throat> is it the person or yeah, is it the timing like, of it? Well, no, is it? I've met the person. There's no such thing as the right time. And I've met the right person. Or is there no such thing as the right person? It's just about the right time. Right. I, I don't, it's such a, that's such a awesome question, but it's such a, there isn't a one answer for it, Maria. <laughs> like you, uh, yeah, you have I mean, these amazing, yes. Cause I'm thinking, I'm like, is it the person? I think that you definitely want to feel some sort of an attachment to that individual, some sort of like you want to feel connected with that person. And then I'm wondering, well, the timing, is it because sometimes people just need to get out of certain situations and the only way out is connecting to like being with this person. But is there something that deters us from committing to certain people? So, like, let's say I'm I'm mm-hmm. single, I'm dating this guy, mm-hmm. but I'm saying, like, I'm not ready to fully be Commit. committed, go city, mm-hmm. whatever, and he wants mm-hmm. a relationship. Yeah. Is there something that's deterring me about that person? Like, would I, would I be all the red in? Flags? Are you talking about the red flags that no, people get? Not necessarily, <laughs> just, like, mm-hmm. there's something missing or something. Yeah. It just doesn't feel, you know, when I met my husband and it, everything was pretty easy. Got you. I, yeah. I didn't have doubts. So I wasn't sitting by the phone waiting for texts that had been yeah. happening to me my entire twenties, agonizing so, over men. Wait, let me, let me, let me just back that up a little bit. You, so you're like, you're telling me when it came to my husband, when, when I met my husband, it was easy. I didn't have to worry about whether he was going to text me or call me. I, that I, I knew 
Mm-hmm. I knew that that emotional safety was there, that mm-hmm. I didn't have to mm-hmm. go through like a spiral in my head of right. why isn't he calling? Why isn't he doing this? So it like right off the bat, I'm hearing Maria, like for you, there was a sense of belonging. There's a sense of feeling wanted and, and some sort of emotional safety there where like we are feeling like we can trust this person to an extent that right. they're going to call. Mm-hmm. And so do you get safety for both men and women that we're looking oh, for? Oh, yeah, 100%. Both need some sort of emotional safety for a healthy relationship. You need emotional safety in there. That's a lot of what EFT is based off of, trying to create that emotional um, safety between between two in a relationship. But, okay, this is the thing that really, like, I find really close to close. How can we find someone attractive enough to date, mm-hmm. you know, um, to hook up with, you know, date casually, but not attractive enough to commit to? And I right. don't mean phys- just physically attractive. Yeah. I yeah. mean, of course, we're obviously not attracted enough because we would just be in a relationship with them. Right. So there's something missing, like you said. Like, like, yeah. like what I'm hearing is like, I'm feeling something is missing. It's either that this person, and, and it could be that this person, we have a really great physical connection and they're like, that's really good. Or we have a lot of fun together when we're hanging out. But I'm wondering if emotionally, are they connecting with you where you need right. them to connect with? Right. Are they on the same path in terms of life? Because like the other part you want to think about is like when you commit to someone, you're thinking about growing in life with that person, spending life with that person. So if part of your life plan is to move to a different country like Costa Rica or something down the road and this person's like, nope, I'm going to 100% stay in this home for the rest of my life, that could be a barrier. (laughs) Yeah. I think all that stuff comes in. Alignment. Yeah, like there's, you need that alignment with them. Yeah. 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 Um, So what happens when we fall in love? What happens? What is that? What's going on? What happens when we fall in love? What's going on inside of us? So again, do not have that neuroscience background, but I can tell you what I believe happens from the attachment perspective. Mm-hmm. When yeah. we're falling in love, we're feeling, again, I'm going to say, I'm going to repeat myself. I apologize, but we're no, feeling, no, please. yeah, we're feeling very much so uh, seen and heard or by the, by someone else. Uh-huh. And when I say seen and heard, like, I don't mean that they're just physically seeing us and hearing us, but we're feeling like this person really gets me. Like I can look at him and he knows like, Hey, she needs to exit this, this social event, or he can look at me and be like, Hey, are you okay? Is everything good? Um, Without even speaking a word, like there's that, there's that unsaid connection between us. Um, I feel, I feel like I think a lot of times in relationships, when you're feeling that like healthy, good love, it's like non-judgment, non-conditional. Right. There's so much, there's so much love out there right now that's so transactional. Right, and I see it a lot, and I feel like it's like you know, it's something we may have inherited or brought into our relationships because of what we received as younger people, but um, like. It's really when we feel love, when we're in that first stage of love, we just feel so wanted and belonged by this 
and we feel like we really belong here. Like this person and me, like we, we empower each other. But life is long. Life is long. Yeah. <clears throat> we go through ups and downs. Yes. Yes. As we are going to discover <clears throat> as we go yeah. on this ride. Mm-hmm. Okay. The way I see it, you know, I was about to start painting last night. My, my husband was told me this, that I live in a world that's black and white, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'm technicolor. And okay. I don't understand why everybody else doesn't s- understand and doesn't behave like somebody who's in technicolor. And I don't right. understand that the world I'm living in is black and white. I think yeah. everybody is in color. So is love then two people who see each other's colors? I think that's a really beautiful way of putting it. I actually really like that. I like, I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that. I, copyright. <laughs> there you go. But I think of I, when I hear that though, what I hear, like the way I, I interpret that is that what, when you're with two people that are in love, they really see each other, like all of each other. They don't just see. But even like, in the beginning, though, this is because oh, we're just in getting, the we're, we're talking about mm-hmm. getting married, right? Yeah, we're talking about like getting, well, I, so I think like, okay, my mind is going to, we, when we initially meet each other at like on the streets, at a coffee shop, through friends, it's like. I, I think it's like we're just starting to, Sorry, to see yes. some colors. It's, yeah, and exactly. Then, Sorry. And, and then, then I'm thinking into our relationship. Yeah, if we've been dating for a little while or if you, there's been like consistent conversations going on, I think the colors are starting to get painted in a lot We more. start to open up ourselves yeah. and then we see. Because yeah. we're afraid to open up, right? <clears throat> so little by little we open up and then it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. that your beautiful color of red or purple or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And little so by I'm gonna, little. I'm going to catch something that you said there. We're afraid to open up. I think that that is actually not everyone from what I've learned is that really? not everyone is afraid to open up. There's some people that are really good with like just being huh. super transparent, super honest, super vulnerable. <clears throat> and that has a lot to do with where they like how they were raised, the safety that they were used to. Um, Often, often, I'm just going to say often, not across the board, but the people that have a bit of a harder time opening up are people that come from some sort of trauma. And a lot of us have that, like a lot of us. That's really interesting because um, (laughs) I appear to be very outgoing and gregarious and all that. And I do reveal easily uh, yeah, things about myself and openly, but I am quite guarded, to be honest with with you. Mm-hmm. Um, about and, the deep down, real, yeah, real stuff. yeah, the yeah. real, real stuff. Yeah. So when you talk about in a relationship, you feel safe. Yeah. You know, there's that understanding that you can be yourself, but yeah. that's not necessarily always the case because it depends what, how when you open yourself up completely. Right. To the other person. Yeah. I, I hear you. Like, if you've really opened yourself up to that person, yeah. Because and maybe it, maybe you haven't. Maybe it's taken you years and years. and you, Like, this is a stupid analogy. But I yeah. know a lot of women 
who mm-hmm. don't fart in front of their boyfriends or husbands. And I'm like, are you guys crazy? You're going to yeah. spontaneously combust. Like I'm a <laughs> fart 3000. Yeah. Like I would not be able to survive that. Like, wh- yeah. where do you go? What do you do? Yeah. You run into a closet? Like, well, how? How do you live? Yeah, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? So, like, and these are people who are married. Got so I'm you. Like, yeah. How? You know, so there are parts of us that we still are trying to conceal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there, there are. There's, like, for some people, there are parts that they're trying to conceal. But I also think that maybe it's the people's different levels of comfort. Like, I mean, you brought up the fart example. I'm thinking about like couples that are very comfortable with like both being in the bathroom at the same time. One yeah. could be brushing their teeth, That's the other fine. one could be showering, the other one could be taking a pee, whatever. Yeah. And like, but not all couples are like that, Maria. Really? Yeah, there's like some couples that have told me that like they've said like one of the things that they think works really well is having their own bathrooms, and that's just bedrooms as well. I hear for some for some they need like it depends on like again it's like how we were raised to like how it's a lot to do with what brings us comfort and space so it's like can we both respect that hey we need this space and this helps us or do we like to be in each other's space all the time and it's like we're good yeah. with this i think 24 7 we live in a tiny condo as yeah. you can see in my beautiful yeah. production studio here is the <laughs> tiny quarter of my bedroom because i don't have a 150 million dollar budget yet um <laughs> but you know you can see my eternal sunshine brain but um yeah. The separate bedrooms thing. Mm-hmm. What is up with that? I don't get it. Yeah. Because so, they don't hang out. It's funny. It's so funny, man. It's such a, that's so interesting. So I've seen separate bedrooms happen when a relationship has died out and then mm. separate bedrooms come about. And then I've seen separate bedrooms happen because literally the one person snores <laughs> The other person cannot get a good sleep and it's yeah. for their sleep health that they're doing it. And then, I'm so sorry, Maria, uh, I think about kids too. Yeah. I think when kids get in this picture, a lot of our previous uh, needs when it comes to space, when it comes to privacy, they get demolished. These little adorable creatures come into your life and there's no using a bathroom with a door closed. Like it's just not allowed. Like things change and then you're forced to, and then some, some parents like, you know, we've had our times we've had our, I'll say our uh, years of like where one parent has to be in the bed with one of the kids and like we're sleeping in separate rooms and separate beds. But I think, and I think what you're saying is like, they're, they're, they don't connect, but this is the crazy part. Maybe they do connect. They make it a point to connect during the day, in the morning. So I think it's like you got to get creative with the way you connect. Yeah. Like, I think I just don't get it because yeah. I'm um, a very dependent person. Like, uh, I get mm-hmm. very attached very easily to people yeah. that I'm um, fond of. You know, yeah. this is in work situations. Yeah. Of course, when I was growing up, boys. Um, but my husband, but my husband and I, even though granted it's, Uh we spend way too much time with each other because we don't have any kids either. Yeah. We live in a tiny condo. So it's like we're in each other's faces 24 seven. I mean, it's too much. Yeah. 
Yeah. However, I couldn't imagine having a separate room from when him. We, mm-hmm. Well, because when we retire, like let's say after yeah. dinner, yeah, then we both go off and do our own thing. Like, so, like, yeah, some people do that. So some couples like to do their own things in the evening. Some people like to. I'm just gonna say Netflix and chill. That's like a very common thing, but. It, it depends on, so like, I think of, I'm thinking, Maria, of like when my spouse worked night shifts or when my spouse did shift work. And guess what? Our evenings weren't steady. They weren't like, it wasn't like I could have him home every evening and, and that's our time to connect. We had to be smart and creative and had to be really like, we have to actually put work into the marriage. Like, okay, let's meet for lunch because that's the only time we'll have with each other without the kids. Or whatever it is. So I think it's about just like, I think, I think what I'm hearing and I could be hearing it wrong is like, it just makes sense that we retired. Like, you know, we, we go to bed together. We have that evening time together and most couples do Maria. And then there's some that do it differently. I have a friend that does the separate bedrooms thing and I don't get it. You have an, okay, gotcha. Um, And I'm like, I don't get it. Because it's like dinner. Yeah. yeah. And then. Yeah. Yeah. So they, it sounds like their emotional attachment, like they are like very detached, Maria. Like, like if they've stopped giving a crap about each other, then like. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So this person's feeling. So just from that, I, I would think this person's feeling very alone very sad but 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 paints a perfect picture yeah we all like oh my god it's called like what do they call it like the insta image or something like the insta the ig like the ig image i heard it from a young couple so i'm not that cool but i heard like Mm. yeah like like the social media mm. thing like i think everyone's life looks perfect i think yeah so it sounds like I go back to like there's probably some sort of like rift or some sort of set emotional detachment or disconnection in this relationship. But unwilling to admit. Um, definitely or is very aware of what's up and just doesn't want to like face the facts because – you know, people take forever to come to therapy. Like people wait years and years to come to therapy. And sometimes people come when it's too early and they're not ready oh, to yeah. hear the truth. You said they went preemptively. And, yeah. Making and it seem like they're not ready. Making it mm-hmm. seem to me like, oh, well, you're ahead of the curve. Right. It was kind of right. like a show offy. Like we oh, went, okay. but we didn't yeah. even have any problems. We just, okay. you know what I mean? Yeah, we yeah. just went because you know. Yeah, and I, was like, I do, I do because I get, I get, I get various like I get such different ranges of couples coming to is see me. Is there such a thing? And, a couple that uh, comes with that doesn't have problems. I mean, when you're coming to therapy, there's a, usually a reason why you're coming to therapy. There's usually something you want to figure out how to do better at. That's how I think of it or that things are getting so bad. It's like a lot of times what I hear Maria is like, this is my last resort before we get divorced or separated. But what does that mean when people say they come to therapy before they have any problems? Um, well, I'm, I would, I would think like, 
again, we have to get curious what that means for that person. But my mind goes to a place well, wanting to learn how to avoid getting into like disagreements or arguments. Wanting to get tools and strategies that would better communicate so that we can avoid the big. Yeah, like I think premarital counseling is incredibly helpful, and I wish I had done it. And I think it could have saved so much. But I think one of the really big benefits, and I'm going to just plug EFT for a moment. The the therapeutic approach I use yeah. because it's coming from an attachment theory. Mm-hmm. So even if you come in for premarital, you're going to also get to do some attachment history work, meaning understanding where you come from, what you've been, what you've been exposed to, what you've learned from that, why you, why you have certain behaviors or responses to certain things that are said or done to you. And it helps to make sense of that. So even premarital, like there's like, definitely a benefit to it but of course maria i mean depends who you go to see as a therapist depends what therapeutic approach they use really it It depends how ready you are and how honest you are yeah i always tell my people i tell my clients like hey the more honest you are the more you're going to get out of this therapy i mean we were very honest and yeah we'll we'll get to that when we get to that part but (laughs) Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. okay so now yeah. we're getting over to the getting, are we getting married. We're getting married. Okay. Wedding bells are yeah. ringing. I'm popping the question. Yasmin. Okay. So this is totally arbitrary, right? Like it's yeah. just whoever you're going out with when you're 30. That's who you're mm-hmm. you're marrying, basically, right? Is is that the way you see it? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Like why? I think uh, I think there's a societal there's a societal kind of pressure that at a certain age, if you've been in a long long term and I say it with air quotes because what does long term mean yeah. to people is it more than three months more than six more than a year but yeah there's this societal pressure at a certain age especially if I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something and maybe it's not a true across the board but I feel like it's a bit more heavier on the females yeah <laughs> and that hey you're supposed to get married or you should be considering it and yeah maybe we're we're kind of pushing it but why do we still get married? Like, what is the actual benefit? Mm-hmm. What's the benefit of getting married? Yeah. So, what is um, it? other than like, okay, yeah. financially or like, you know, um, yeah. so I mean, all of those rights are common, are covered by common law anyway, aren't they? Yeah. So, uh, marriage is, I think it's a choice, like, or it's a personal choice of, um, it's a huge commitment to the other person when you do them, like, when you do a legal legally we're going to get married and it's also like i think it's really a personal choice of like is this is this something i believe in do i believe in like the institute of marriage does this align with my core values and beliefs is this what i want what's the institute of marriage because we're talking about different facets of religion right so the institute of the institution of marriage is separate from all Mm -hmm. these different in con- like congregations or or um, theolog because this is derived from a th- like theologically speaking, right? Yeah, yeah. So if we're subscribing to a religion, okay, yeah. then we're honoring that that. Real, yeah, we're honoring <clears throat> our Could commitment mm-hmm. to that religion. However, right. most people who get married are not necessarily even religious at all or subscribe to any religion 
mostly yeah. probably the god of Instagram. So, <laughs> and they do it so they can take pictures. But so why do we, what is it? I mean, it's just an antiquated thing. Do we do it just because we've always done it? Is it one of those things? So one thing that I've found very curious, or I've been curious about since high school, since world religion, are arranged marriages. I don't know how much you know much about them. Well, I am brown, if you, for the viewers, (laughs) they can't see me. I don't want to presume that you know anything about it, because you may not. Yeah. No, no, fair. But um, when I say I'm brown, I should clarify. I'm, I'm from a South Asian cultural background where, where arranged marriages are very popular. My parents were, um, they were part of an arranged marriage. I know a lot of other, I'll be honest, it's mostly older um, generation that I've, I, they mostly have been arranged mar- married around me. So yeah. I do have, um, I do have knowledge of it and it's such an awesome, uh, it's such an awesome topic because I'm really curious about it too. I'm very curious about how it works, and actually, I have, um, I've, I've actually just, you're just reminding me, Maria. I've been very lucky where I've gotten to actually work with a few um, couples that have been arranged. Uh, yep, arranged as well, but. <sighs> gets complicated because there's different levels of how you're arranged. It could be that you're arranged in the set in the sense that you were set up and then you had the opportunity to talk to each other a little bit before or like for a bit to get to know each other prior to deciding to marry each other. Or it could be that you were arranged like my parents. They didn't even, I think they just saw each other. They didn't talk to each other and mm. then they were married. So there's kind of like, I don't know, it, it's like there's different levels well, of arranged marriage, the way I think of it. I think the West has a very close-minded view of it. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally close-minded view. Because when I yeah. learned about arranged marriages, of course I had my own biases and judgment. And then I mm-hmm. learned about it in high school. And I was like, holy shit, I was totally wrong. And in mm-hmm. fact, I think, how much more sensible is it to trust my mother, my family, to choose somebody for me than myself. I don't trust myself more than I trust them <laughs> to choose someone for me. They have my best right. interests at heart. I have my neuroses and idiocy that lead the way. Mm-hmm. So and and that works really well for someone like you who can trust their parents. And then there's other folks that are like, right. don't have that relationship and where it's like that parent is not looking for out for my best interest. They're looking out for their best interest and how they can um, possibly uh, t- be at an advantage if this, like if this marriage happens. So um, it's, it's interesting. Like everything, it's never just like, it's always different levels of complexities in them. <laughs> but do you know if they're more successful? Than, Are they more successful? Yeah, than romantic? Well, so this is like, I'm so not going to give you an answer to your question in the sense that I'm going to almost throw out more questions because yeah. what is a successful marriage based off of? Are we basing it off of That's- the divorce rate? Because divorce rate in arranged marriages are much lower because there's a cultural, possibly religious component mm-hmm. attached to it that 
in, in certain cultures where like I'll just speak to the South Asian culture. Divorce is not something that's very popular. It's not yeah. something that, that I mean there's a I lot think of it's I'm Filipino. I think it's still legal in the Philippines. They I think culture, <laughs> don't quote me on that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't quote you, but culture plays a really big role too. So I mean successful marriage it, for people that are arranged, it, it has to do a lot with like, and if we're talking about successful as in like, are they emotionally connected and in love? Uh, I've seen both where they are. And then I've seen ones that should have never been married. <laughs> so, Okay. So why do yes. we pick such, by the way, a beautiful boomerang question there. That was a great, great little uh, pivot move. Why do we pick such uh, unsuitable partners? Like, why are we so bad why at choosing them? them? Or, oh, or like when we are kind of dating, yeah. when we are like, because you had mentioned before you you dated the same right. person for thirty. Years. This is my question. So, is that like why are we so bad at picking partners for ourselves, or is everyone a bad choice? Mm. I don't. I don't. Like, I I don't want to believe to that everyone. Oh, I think there's a lot of learn. Yeah, and I think. Okay, my just my opinion. I think that I've been married now for 13 years, and our love has changed from where it was at when we first got married to where we're at now, and okay. in the middle too. There, so, so I've it's like been different for 10. So yeah. let's walk through that. When you say. The relationship has, I guess, remodeled or like it has. We've taken, we've renovated. Yeah, we've definitely like renovated you, the relationship. It's malleable, <laughs> I guess. It's malleable, yeah. right? So as it yeah. as it courses through time, it's yeah. changing in dynamics and yeah. paradigms yeah. and all that. So and my role, our roles changed exactly, in there too. Yeah. We. We became parents. We became, um, well, I lost a parent. I, like, you know, we, I became a business owner. Yeah. Like, I changed roles. Yeah. Like, things happen. Our, yeah, yeah, like, our roles changed. Yeah. And we changed as, like, like the, the person, the person I was when I first met him, I'm very different from that person. So, is mm -hmm. that a problem? Like, when you, is that, a problem? Is that necessarily mm -hmm. a problem? Like, when you look at your partner and say, who the fuck are you? When you look at each other um, and say, you're not the person I married. So, okay. I, I keep, you keep asking me these great questions and I keep making them more complicated. That's okay. okay. So I think of it, I think of it twofold. Cause I'm like, if I look at my partner and say, who the F are you? If I don't know who he is, like my partner is a male. And if I don't know who he is and if I don't get him and I've been married to him 13 years, yeah, that's a problem for me. You can, you, you I can swear know. on the show. <laughs> it's it says it has an explicit warning. Don't worry about it. It's good to know. Um, and so and so that would be a problem for me if because did, if I you saw him and didn't think you didn't know who he but was. But you yeah. just said that you had changed. I have, and so has he. But we've grown together. We've changed together. We've checked in on each other throughout our. We haven't. We've we've had moments of disconnection, and we've come together, and we continue to work really hard on being emotionally connected. So you mean you've changed, but you continue to love the person that they have become? Yeah, 
Yeah, like I, I, and I feel like, I mean, he's not here to prove it. So this is great, but I feel he feels the same right. way about me and my growth. And he loves who I am, loves who I've become. And, and I know this, I can say this with confidence is because of the conversations we've had. And so there's those couples that I meet that come to me after whatever years of marriage or being together. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know who this person is. And it's because they haven't been connecting. They've right. just been doing the day to day and it becomes, it can turn into a marriage where it feels like we're more like roommates than we are a married couple or like partners. Right. Intimate partners. Yeah. <clears throat> so what's the difference? What's the difference between a roommate versus a yeah. intimate partner? Yeah. I think, I think the big, like, I come back to my, the big difference would be having that strong emotional connection and feeling like this person, yep, having that strong emotional connection, that safety, belonging, and having that unconditional love for each other and the wanting for each other too. So, and intimacy. <laughs> right. So, if you don't like the person that your partner mm-hmm. has become, yeah. What do you do? So tough. So I have people that I see that don't like their partners and it's so tough. It's like, do you not like them for, because they've now picked up a habit, like maybe drinking, excessive drinking, maybe they're into drugs, whatever it is. Like, is it because of some sort of a habit that they're, that that's really taken over their lives? Or um, I've seen a client where their, their person's now, going through some really difficult mental health times Mm -hmm. and just not the same person. And is it because of that or like, is it that, and, and have we, have we tried to have conversations with each other about it? Have you guys attempted to try to address what the issues are or, and then I've had, um, you've just, you're, you're making me, you're not making me, but I'm, I'm breaking through my brain right now. I've also had someone I, I was seeing, I was working with and they were not into their, their partner and they were feeling like just not connected. And it was because they were also seeing someone else. And so they were feeling very conflicted because they were having an, an affair. So Um, an actual affair. Yeah. Like an extramarital affair. Right. So they were in love (laughs) with that person. I mean, I don't know if it was love or if it was that they they were, like, I don't know if it was love or more that they were just enjoying the freedom right. of having this extramarital relationship that was more non-committal. Right. Than- like, you know what? <laughs> and that is our show for today. Tune in next week for Chapter 2. Oh, riveting. Just feel a surprise. Come a calling, am I right? Or am I wrong? <laughs> no, right? Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, and as always, please write and review this podcast wherever you are listening to it. You are obviously listening to it. So want to take the second to rate and review it because it does matter. It helps a lot. And, uh, you know, do us a solid. We're friends. Thanks, and we will see you next time on I Don't Get It with Mary Monero. Mm, thanks, guys. Bye. Stupid and dumb is where my head goes.
so pathetic, one hell of a trash fire.